Good morning, New Life Manitou. If you're able, would you please stand with us and worship? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, said that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We know that God's Spirit is here with us today, so there is freedom. So feel free this morning when you worship to raise your hands. Feel free to dance. Whatever you do, let's do it to the glory and worship of our God and King.
Lord, make us more aware today that you are in control, that you are carrying us.
circumstances are today, we offer them to you. We ask that you would breathe life into us this morning. Lord, we need a fresh wind. Lord, would you pour your spirit out on us? Lord, we need you. Lord, we don't want to operate in our own strength. We need your spirit to be awake and alive in us so that we can be sent out to do your work and your will. Lord, we love you and we want to do your will, Lord. So would you enable us today, fill us afresh with your spirit and send us out from here.
that's powerful. You know, when I study the Bible, you know, it seems like every once in a while, uh, oh, frequently actually, you know, a thought or a topic or a word comes to mind. And so I study that maybe for just that day or maybe for several days. Well, just the other day, it was about being thankful. And, um, you know, I used to tell my kids, if you spend your time, you'll be a lot happier in life if you spend your time thinking about the things you're thankful for that you have rather than worrying about the things that you don't have. And that's true about life. And, and in fact, so a lot of you know I'm a runner. And so this is like one of my favorite running shirts. Don't worry, be grateful, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, so in the New Testament, uh, 76 times thankfulness is brought up. Jesus gave thanks when he fed the 5,000, before he fed the 4,000, before he raised Lazarus from the dead. He gave thanks before he shared the bread and the wine at the Last Supper. And what I see is nine times Paul says that when he thinks about his followers, he expresses thankfulness. He says things like, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. I do not cease giving thanks for you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Uh, and it goes on and on. And what I see in the Bible is gratitude is huge to God. Gratitude is a huge thing to him. In fact, I don't believe that we can praise God without gratitude. Uh, just being thankful amounts to praise to God. And uh, being thankful connects us directly to his glory. It connects us to his glory. So I find myself asking myself, well, do I express thankfulness when I have money to pay my taxes or when I can put food on the table? You know, I'm sitting there and somebody fills my water glass at a restaurant. Thank you. I check out of the store. I look the clerk in the eye. Thank you. Somebody holds the door for me. Thank you. And what I find is that um, thankfulness is an expression of glory to God. When the Bible says, in everything give thanks, you know, it's not just a statement that says, you know, when life is really crap, uh, you need to think of something to be thankful for because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. No, giving thanks in everything isn't just giving thanks to God, it's giving thanks to everyone around us. Christians should be spring-loaded with thank yous. You know, what if you could tell God by the time you got to heaven, I said thank you a million times while I was on earth. That would glorify him. That would glorify him. So here's a couple observations. I won't read you the scriptures for the sake of time, but I'll give you the observations. One is prayer for others releases favor with God and favor releases thankfulness. We pray for people, favors bestowed on them. They're filled with thankfulness. Giving thanks brings glory to God. Actually, it says um, that you're giving a thanks may abound to the glory of God. And uh, actually, this, this verse, Colossians 2, 7, is the one that talks about overflowing with gratitude. And here's one. It requires gratitude to make my serving acceptable to God. It says, and I'll read that one. It says, let us show gratitude by which we may offer an acceptable sacrifice to God. A sacrifice of praise is just being willing to be thankful all the time. So there's several more, but I'll jump to this one. Liberality and giving produces thanksgiving, 
which then turns into an upward spiral of thanksgiving and glory to God. We give, thanksgiving's given, and it brings glory to God, and they give, and it, it just goes on and on, an upward spiral. Your liberality is producing thanksgiving to God, supplying the needs of the saints, which is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God because it will glorify you for your opinion. It's like he's talking into circles, right? But it's an upward spiral is what it is. Gratitude and generosity are things that you can spend that are never wasted, never wasted. It's all an expression of gratitude to God for all that he is, all who he is, and all that he does for us. So let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for all your goodness to us. I thank you that you provide so abundantly. I thank you that your favor rests upon us and that your glory can rest upon us as we share your glory with others through thankfulness. We just bring this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this again. Your presence, your power. Your presence, your power, gratitude today as we receive that word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Well, at this time, the kids can be dismissed. The rest of you, please turn and greet one another. Find somebody you don't know. We'll see you right back up here with the word in just a minute. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Uh, yesterday was Veterans Day. Any veterans, raise your hand. I see some veterans. Thank you for your service. We thank you. Uh, this week is a really big week for New Life Manitou. If you haven't heard yet, something really big is happening on Tuesday, and that is a recording. So our band has written some songs uh, for Manitou, by Manitou, and we are going to put those down on an album, have a live recording here on Tuesday, and the idea is kind of a pilgrimage that night. We're going to, Psalm, Psalm 84 says, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. So in the course of that evening, this Tuesday, 6.30, we will read scripture, record some of the songs that we have written for this house, and so that we could go out and be a blessing for Manitou. Amen? So that's this Tuesday. Uh, I have today a sermon about the best 
Bible story in all of the Bible. Now, that's my opinion. We can argue later about which story is the best story or your favorite story. That would be a wonderful thing to argue about, by the way. But one of my favorite stories, as far as like dramatic tellings of a story, is this story right here in 1 Kings chapter 18. It's the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the calling down of fire. And it's dramatic. It's got everything. I pray you'll listen. You'll lean into the story. Today's title is The Line That the People Say After the Fire of God Descends. And it's the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. That's the title for today's sermon. So I'm going to do something a little different. We usually stand for the whole reading of Scripture, but I'm going to preface this reading of Scripture. Then I'm going to read a whole bunch kind of leading up to this moment. And then I will have a stand once it gets to Elijah's part when he prays and the the fire of God descends. So let me give you a little backstory to this story that we find in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you brought a Bible Or if you have a phone with a Bible on it, you could pull that out. If someone next to you is on their phone, give them a little, you know, just see what they're doing. Make sure it's the Bible. Make sure they're on the Bible. And if it is the Bible, give them a thumbs up. Good job. You're in the Bible. 1 Kings 18. So there's this conversation uh, between Elijah and Ahab. Elijah is the prophet. Ahab is the king. And things are on edge. There has been a famine in the land. There's been a drought for now years and years and years. And Elijah is, is saying to Ahab, listen, there." Either you're going to continue in this journey to worship Baal and these idols, or you're going to worship the Lord. And so Elijah has this idea. He says, summon the people. This is 1 Kings 18, verse 19. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Who's getting summoned? All the people, like all the people all over Israel, summon a bunch of people on Mount Carmel. There's going to be a showdown. There's going to be a meeting at the OK Corral, and there's going to be a battle here. And so he says, bring 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Astra who eat at Jezebel's table. So how many prophets is that total of the bad guys? 850. Good job with your math. So there's 850. That's a lot, right? 850 prophets and all of Israel. Like I've I've reread this story this week. It was like, oh, there was a huge crowd up there on Mount Carmel. We don't know exactly, but but I, I assume there's thousands upon thousands of people up there along with these 800 prophets, some of Baal, some of Baal's girlfriend, Astra, which uh, eat at Jezebel's table. And then Ahab does this. He's, he's desperate enough. He's like, yeah, let's do this. As a king, he's overseeing this country that is in uh, just turmoil because it hasn't rained. There's no crops. The animals are dying. There's nothing to eat. There's a famine in the land. So the king's like, okay, I'll do this. I'll bring all the people to Mount Carmel, all these prophets, and they get up there, and Elijah goes before the people and says this. And so I imagine a huge crowd. I imagine thousands and thousands of people up there representing Israel. They're up on this mountain that's kind of far away. This is in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's kind of by the Mediterranean Sea, about nine miles. You can see it on a clear day if you're at the top of Mount Carmel. All these people, this is before uh, speakers and, and, and uh, sound systems. And so he's got to scream. He's got to shout. He addresses the people. How long will you waver between two opinions. He says, if God, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And the people, they're just quiet. Like, oh, yeah, what's going to happen? This, okay, that, 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 all right. 
they're quiet. And then Elijah sets out the deal. He says to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces, put it on the wood, but do not set fire to it. He says that a couple times because that is what's going to play out here in the story. And then he says, I will prepare a bull and put it on the wood, but I will set fire to it. Then you will call upon the name of the Lord. I will call, you will call the name of your God, little g God. I will call upon the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, well, does that sound good to you, Bill? Yeah, Tim, does that sound good? Yeah, Tim, that sounds good to me. Sounds good to you? Yeah, well, all the people say, yeah, that's, that sounds good. I guess, the, I guess this is what we're gonna do. There's gonna be a showdown. Either Baal is God or the Lord, he is God. People say, this sounds good. Yep, sounds like a plan. Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Basically, ladies first, you get to go first. There's so many of you, just one of me. You get to go first. Call in the name of your God, but do not, says it again, do not light the fire. Because the plan here is that either God, Yahweh, is gonna light the fire or Baal is going to light the fire. So they took the bull, they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. So get this in your mind. Like some point early in the morning, they've gathered there, thousands of people. They start calling, the prophets of Baal start calling on Baal. Answer us, Baal, answer us. They shouted, there's no response, no one answered. And then they start dancing around. What's the Baal dance look like? I often thought like maybe it's the demonic uh, chicken dance. That, that uh, just kidding. Um, they're dancing around. There's a little comic humor there. And then Elijah begins to taunt them. And here's some more comic relief. They're, they're dancing. Uh, Elijah at noon uh, and begins to taunt them. And you would think that Baal, some of you might not know this, uh, Baal is one of the sun gods. And so maybe at noon, when the, the sun is at its highest, maybe that's when Baal will answer, something will happen, but nothing happens. So Elijah taunts them. Shout louder, he said. Surely uh, he is a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought or he's busy. The other translations translate that differently. I'll get to that in a moment. It's really quite funny. Uh, maybe your God is traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must need to be waked up. Uh, so shout louder. And they began to shout louder. Then they slashed themselves with swords and spears. So can you imagine this like demonic, horrible scene where there's 450 prophets of Baal. Maybe the Astra uh, uh, prophets are there as well. It doesn't mention them again, but a whole group of people dancing around, slashing themselves with swords and spears until they're bleeding. This is, this is a horrible scene. It's demonic. Midday passed. They continue their frantics. Uh, it, then it becomes the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid any attention. So can you imagine this big crowd? If you were there, huge crowd of people, it's, it started in the morning, went through lunch, now it's evening. And I imagine people are just like, well, the kids are all playing soccer up on Mark Carmel. Uh, people are probably cooking their meals. Uh, no one is paying attention. People have kind of left. Like Baal is, has not answered. It's been a long day. And then Elijah, this is verse 30. Elijah said to the people, come here to me. So he gathers the people back. And they came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. So I guess in the frantic dancing, they tore down the altar to Yahweh. So he, he built it back up. Then Elijah took 12 stones. How many stones? What do you think that means? Like usually when you see a number in the Bible, it, it means something. The, the 12 
tribes of Israel. So he's, he's reminding the people, the people there that are gathered, he's reminding them, this is your history. This is your God. God loves you. He wants you to turn your hearts to Yahweh. So he takes those 12 stones and it says this, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, you, your name shall be Israel. With these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold a bunch of water. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jugs of water, pour it on the offering and the wood. Do it again, do it again, third time they did it. And I have read this story many times. And it was just this week that I was like, oh wait, four jugs, three times. How many is that? 12, good job class, 12. Once again, he's reminding the people, this is your God. You as a people, your God is the Lord. He's reminding them that that God wants them to turn their hearts back to God. And so here we have this scene where the prophets of Baal are off, maybe uh, who knows where they are now, maybe watching and onlooking. There's thousands of people up on this mountain. There is a wet altar of wood and some cut up pieces of a, of a bull and Elijah is going to pray. And it's at this point, would, would you stand with me if you're able as we read the rest of this story? So it's evening, maybe around sunset. The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, The God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then fire of the Lord. Boom fell, burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones even. You have to get things really hot to burn the stone and the soil. And it also licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell down, prostrate. They laid down and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you right now. Lord, would you answer from heaven? Would you open your heavens? Would you speak to us this morning? We know that you are the God that, Lord, you you try to get our attention. Lord, you you do dramatic, powerful things in in our lives. And so, Lord, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful to you. Lord, would you turn our hearts back to you? Would you uh, allow us to not waver between two things, but to fully worship you, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? In your precious name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So do you remember the title of this sermon? The Lord, he is God. Five words. It's the five words that the people say. In English, it's five words at least. And it's the point one of this sermon. So the title and point one, uh, very simple. Keeping it simple today. The Lord, he is God. And we as people reading this very old story in the text of scripture, and it is an amazing story, we should never just be onlookers to the word of God. I want to ask you today, is, is, is that something you would say about God? Would you say the Lord, he is God of your own life? We don't want to just be onlookers of this story. We want to consider with our own heart, with our own lives, is the Lord our God in our own life? 
Now, there's a drought going on. There's a literal drought at the time uh, of this uh, great story happening. And I wonder if in this room, a size, maybe there's, I don't know, 80 people in here or so, if many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if some of you in here would say, I'm going through a drought right now in my life, maybe a spiritual drought or uh, just a personal drought, a time of like, it's been a dry season in my life, maybe spiritually. And maybe, I'm just looking at the text and preaching from the word of God, maybe the Lord has a message for you today that maybe through that, although it's been hard, the Lord is getting your attention. Maybe at some point you become desperate and you, you, you wonder, am I wavering between two things? Maybe the Lord wants to explosively get your attention this morning. Maybe some of us have been wavering between two things and he wants us to say to him, the Lord, he is God. Amen? So this moment, uh, how, how do we get here? So there's a bunch of prophets, a bunch of people up on Mount Carmel. How do we get here? Because uh, the people of God have really become the people of Baal. And for the, about the last hundred years, uh, for the last so many sermons that we have been in this book of Kings, we have seen gradually run one right after another, a bad king after a bad king. And some, there was a couple good ones along the way, but mostly the whole country, the whole nation of Israel is now following Baal and Astra and gods, little g gods, instead of the one true God. How do we get there? Well, we have David. You know the story of David, right? David and Goliath. He becomes king. He joins all the tribes. Uh, he writes half of the Psalms. He leads the people to the Lord. And with all of his faults, uh, he still is very quick to repent. So even though there's quite a few bad things that David does in his life, horrible things, he is quick to respond and he is quick to repent before the Lord. And he brings the nation of Israel and Judah to the Lord and they follow him. David has a son who becomes king. His name is Solomon. Solomon uh, starts off pretty good, and then he, it says he marries a whole bunch of wives. And some of those weddings were probably in line with like uh, partnerships with other nations. But when those wives come in, they, they're worshiping other gods. And Solomon goes along with it. He builds his wives' gods' temples and idols all over Israel and Judah, his sons split the kingdom, and then one after another, for about 100 years until we get to Ahab, the kingdom has gone to Baal. And people are worshiping Baal, and it's not going very well for them. There's a drought in the land, and they're wondering how in the world will we survive this? Out of desperation, they go and they meet up on Mount Carmel. And they're, they're told to not waver between two things anymore. Elijah shouts out, like, how long will you waver between two opinions? Either God is the Lord or Baal is God. And if, if God is the Lord, worship him. If Baal is, well, then worship him. I think about uh, idolatry and wavering between two things. And I think, in our, I think in our city of Manitou, I think for the most part, this is just my opinion. I've, uh, I haven't lived here my whole life. I've lived here, uh, we're coming on to 20 years uh, but I think Manitou is a very spiritual place. I think the average Manitoid is, is very spiritual. I think the average Manitoid would say, yeah, I like Buddha. And, and they would say, I like uh, some teachings of Hinduism. And, and I, I think there's some good things in the Quran. And oh, you Christians, I, you know, I, I think about Jesus sometimes. He might be a prophet too. That's called syncretism. And that's the mixing and the blending of basically different idols. 
And each one of those religions, especially Christianity, would say, they're not, there's, no, you can't do that. You can't mix and match. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they're, they're, they're at odds. These different, we can't pick and choose. And I know I'm speaking something that is very unpopular because the popular thought this day is that you can just pick and choose. And the popular thought this day is, oh, there's a little bit of nice stuff here and some nice things here. But no, either stop wavering. Like that's, that's not right even from a philosophical standpoint that, that contradictory, contradictory religions could all, you just pick and choose. That's, that's not right. How long will you waver between two things. And some of you, maybe that's just what you need to hear today. Some of you have, have been in that mode of, of welcoming in different things and different teachings. And maybe God today is telling you specifically, stop wavering. Either God is the Lord or, or he's not. And so follow him if he is. Amen? Another thing that I think about in this idolatry is, I think the, the image that we have is like a little statue of, of an idol, and that's certainly what was happening in the case of the Old Testament. But an idol doesn't have to be a physical statue. I, I wrote down this definition, it's a very broad definition of what an idol is. And I said it's any authorized thing or any authorized noun, person, place, or thing that you look at, you go to, to get your needs met. I'll, I'll say that again for, for definition's sake, very broad definition of what an idol is, just an unauthorized noun you go to to get a need met an unauthorized person place or thing you go to to get a need met in the case of Baal it was they were afraid that there was a famine they, they thought well in desperation if I pray to this Baal maybe he'll answer maybe he'll send rain maybe our country will turn and people won't be starving to death and we'll get out of this famine and this drought people were desperate they turned to Baal to get them out of trouble but we turn to all, maybe we don't turn to Baal. Maybe we don't turn to little idols that we have in our living room. But maybe there's something else. Maybe there's things in your life. Maybe they're just not good or bad. They're just things that, man, they just really, we know about ourselves. They are taking us away from the Lord. And maybe they are, clear, like they're, they're addictions. They're uh, dark sides of our life, hidden things in our life that are taking us away from the Lord. I would say, well, by definition of the, that I'm using, a very broad definition, that would be an idol. And some of us, me included, just need to consider and ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit, the Lord, is speaking to us this morning. And there's something in our lives we need to turn from. There's something that, that, that we need to do, and that's to put God and God alone fully on the altar of our life. Amen? Elijah says in verse 21, Quite simply, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And that made sense to the people. Yeah, that, how, we, we've been wavering in our lives in this nation for far too long. And the, the culture of the day, I think in our day, is maybe similar to what it was back then. Like there's this cultural, societal push. It's like you're in a river that's just a little too deep to touch and you're getting pushed along. And, and the whole, the, the, all of society, like, if you've ever, like, felt, like, going against the current, how hard that is to move against the current, that's what Elijah's doing here. He's courageous, and he's brave, and he's standing alone, and he's moving against 
the current of his generation, the current of society in his generation. We need more people like Elijah who aren't afraid to turn around. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be work to work past the flow of society and culture as it moves downhill. We need to go uphill and to the Lord. And this is exactly what Elijah is doing. He's saying, don't waver between two things. You know, sometimes we can, can dance between two things. Like, oh, I got church on Sunday, but maybe I'm hugging an idol on Monday. And I got, I got church and church friends, but I have some other things that I do and other friends. And, and Elijah's asking all of us in this story, how long will you waver between two things? I'm asking you this morning to let the Holy Spirit teach you and to guide you. Maybe I'm saying something that's, that's kind of scratching at you. If that's the Lord, if, if he's calling you to give up something, well, then give it up. Follow the Lord only. Today, we're going to have a response, as we always do. Every Sunday, we come to an altar. This, this is our altar with candles, and on it is not uh, bits of a bull, but it's the body and broken body and blood of our Lord Jesus, his sacrifice for us. At the end of this service, we'll, we'll come forward, as we always do. It's a table for the people of God. It's, it's communion. It's fellowship. We come forward and we say, God, you are the Lord of our lives. And that'll be our response, coming forward, receiving from him, leaving aside anything that is not of him. Let's move to point two. Point one and the title, do you remember what it was? The Lord, he is God. Point number two is just kind of uh, going along with the story and a, a point that I want to make here in this story is that God rules overall. What's happening in the story is, of course, a power struggle, a religious power struggle between Yahweh and Baal, but it's also a political power struggle. This prophet shows up, and he's not on the king's payroll, and he's going against the king and against society saying, you can't worship Baal and Yahweh. So he's going head-to-head with the political and religious leaders of his day. So Mount Carmel is uh, this little mountain. Uh, we, we call it a mountain because the text of Scripture says it's a mountain. But if you're from Colorado, uh, I think I offended. I, I've, I've, I got to uh, go to Israel a couple years ago before COVID, and I think I really offended our tour guide. We were in uh, the Valley of Armageddon, which is a real place, not just a 1990s movie show. or uh, a place. It's, it's in the book of Revelation. It's this great final last battle. And it's a real place in Israel. You're in this valley, and we're looking up at Mount Carmel, and, and the tour guide was like, there it is, there's Mount Carmel, and I was looking beyond this hill, because I'm from Colorado, and trying to look for like a, a mountain in the background, and I'm like, where is it? And he was like, and I was like, oh, sorry, sorry that, that one, okay, and it is, it, it is a mountain, it's 1,700 feet, so a little less than the incline, so, so whatever you want to call it, um, it's a mountain, and it's like this long range that, that kind of goes to a top, Mount Carmel, and then it kind of uh, it, it ends in like this pretty steep cliff. And you can, on a clear day, see uh, the Mediterranean Sea. You can see all over Israel. It's, uh, it's one of the high places. And so can you imagine getting that invite to come to Mount Carmel? Like this wasn't just like, hey, tomorrow we're all going to go to Mount Carmel. No, this was like an invitation that I assume had to go out months in advance for people to prepare their journeys, for people to get on a caravan, for people to make their way potentially 100, 200 miles from all over Israel 
to this mountain. I'm guessing there was thousands of people. It doesn't say how many people were there. It just says the, the prophets were there, and it says assemble the people. So I, I just imagine thousands and thousands of people have made their journey here on this day to see what's going to happen next. And if I may compare it uh, to like in our nation, like when an election cycle comes. Everybody just said, oh, don't bring it up. But I'm bringing it up. So when an election cycle comes and we vote, and then uh, that night uh, we're watching the news, and if you stay up late enough, you might get to know who the next president is. I think, just making a comparison here, that this is something like that. All these people are gathered, and they're really wondering, like, are we going to keep on this same direction with Ahab the king and following these, these little G gods, Baal and Astra, or are we as a nation going to worship Yahweh, the true God. The people are assembled there out of desperation. There's a famine, there's a drought, there's no food. People are sick, people are dying, people are hungry. They've assembled there for something to happen. And Elijah says, here's the deal. Baal's gonna start, uh, these Baal prophets are gonna start worshiping Baal and calling upon Baal. And, And eventually from morning to noonday, they do. They call upon him. They start cutting themselves. Like a really demonic scene of like dancing around, harming themselves, bleeding everywhere, calling on Baal. And noonday comes and nothing has happened. Elijah begins to taunt them. He says, uh, in one translation, I, I, I told you I would tell you about this. It's very hard to translate jokes. Uh, but it seems like Elijah, honestly, is, is using comedy here. He's taunting them and using a joke. And, and I know there's a special place for jokes in communication. I have a friend uh, who's a comedian. He's, he's gotten pretty big. If I said his name, I think a, maybe all of you would be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's your friend. Yeah, he's my friend. He's pretty cool. And he has uh, just like a calling on his life. He said, I, you know, I could say things that politicians can't say, that maybe even pastors can't say, because I could say something and use humor and say something pretty bold and shocking, but it's under this cloak of, of comedy that really sometimes makes people think, think differently than maybe they would. So Elijah here is using comedy. He's taunting the prophets of Baal. He says something like, uh, this is in the English Standard Version, verse 27, at noon Elijah mocked them saying, cry louder, for he is a god. Uh, either he is musing or he's relieving himself. I'm sorry. <laughs> what does the scripture say? <laughs> That's one of the trans. Like we have this joke phrase in Hebrew that some translators are like, Elijah is saying that Baal could be using the porta potty and he's busy is the joke, is the taunt. And it makes the prophets of Baal st- start going all the more. They dance all the more harder. They start cutting themselves. And and Elijah is just taunting them. And absolutely nothing happens. It just kind of fades away. Evening comes, time for evening sacrifice. I imagine the sun's beginning to go down. And now it's Elijah's turn. Verse 31 says he takes those 12 stones, one for each of the tribes. And then with the stones, he builds an altar. I'm kind of fast forwarding here. He takes the wood, he arranges it, takes the bull. Then we have this story where he's like, fill these four jugs, put it on the wood, put it on again, put it on a third time. That's 12 times he's reminding the people that they are the people of God. And this spectacle, what they are about to see, if I could call it a spectacle, is all for them. He's putting water on a fire, putting water on the wood, and, and that's not how you make a fire, by the way. Is anybody a Boy Scout, Girl Scout? 
Anybody, anybody be an eagle? Is anybody an eagle? Fellow eagle scouts? All right, boy scouts or girl scouts? Okay. Um, is that how you make a fire? Dumping 12 jugs of water on it? No. He's showing something. He's, he's reminding the people that they're about to see a miracle, and it's for them to see that their hearts might turn to the Lord. So that happens three times. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah steps forward. He prays, the Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant. I have done all these things at your command. So this isn't just a Elijah show where he's thought up this plan. Like this seems to be the Lord's plan for Elijah to carry out. And then he calls upon the Lord. Lord, answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then, boom, fire fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, the soil licked up the water in the trench. And this is the power of God being seen. This is the power of God in our lives. This is the power of God for us to witness a miracle and turn to him. This is the power of God for our nation. Amen. There is power of God for our city. There is power of God for our lives. And he is calling us to turn our hearts to him. And then they all fell prostrate. This whole crowd, they fall prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. They say it again, the Lord, he is God. The third and final point this morning is just an invitation. I've said this is coming, but in this story, how many altars are there? There's two. There's Baal's altar and there's God's altar. How many altars do we have in this room? There's one. There's, there's one, and it's to the true God. It's to the Lord who is God. And on this altar is not uh, bits of, uh, of a bull, but on this altar is the memory, the, the celebration and the mystery of Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood shed for us. And we worship that one true God who is three persons. We believe that Jesus, fully God, fully one in being with the Godhead, he came and he uh, made his dwelling among us and he died on a cross. And that's why there's a cross at the center of our room to remind us that this one altar and this one cross is of the true God. So I want to invite us all today to come forward, to, to receive communion. If you believe that the Lord, he is God, well, this is your table. This is, this is the table, a declaration where we come forward and we stop wavering between two things. We, we leave things aside and we come to the altar. And some of us, we might need miracles in our life. And I think there's enough of us in here to, to say that there's probably addictions in here. There's probably dark sides of our life that, that we know are, are taking us away from the Lord. And in faith, we come to this altar. We, you don't have to have it all together to come to this altar. You just have to have faith. You just have to believe and declare that the Lord, he is God. And you can come and you can receive and you can be a witness of God's power in your life. Elijah, you know, he prayed for the fire to come down, but, but he didn't cause it. That was the Lord's doing. It was God who did that? It was God who, who gave Elijah this idea, gather the people at Carmel, you will see a miracle just as everyone else gets to see the power of God that happened back then is the same power that is alive and active today. It's the power of God in our lives. Would you stand with me?
we're gonna sing another song. The band can come forward. The, if you're a communion server, you can come forward as well. The band is gonna lead us in one of these songs that we're gonna be singing on Tuesday. It's one of Man of Two's own songs. It's a song about abide and how we abide in the Lord. So would you bow your heads with me as we prepare our hearts for communion? Lord, we, we honor you. We, we say like this story that, that you might open heaven, that you might come down into our lives and we would be recipients. We would be people who see your power coming into our lives. Lord, we were invited to, to come to this table. It's your table, Lord. This isn't our table. This, this, this is your table. And we come before you to receive of it, to receive that and declare that you, Lord, are God. So Lord, would you open our hearts as we, as we come through this, this line, as we come forward to receive. And for those of us that aren't ready, if we're not ready to come and receive, Lord, would you soften our hearts? Would you speak to us? Would you cause us to, to look at you? Would you cause us to consider to, that maybe we've been wavering in our lives? Lord, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage to seek you, to follow you, to know what is true? So Lord, we worship you in this space, in this time. We declare that you are God. We worship you and we praise you. Would you come to receive the gifts of God for the people of God? Safely to 
one true triune God. Heavenly Father, redeeming, creating, Jesus Christ, revealing and saving, Holy Spirit, comforting, praying, the perfect will, the perfect will. Heavenly Father, redeeming, creating, Jesus Christ, revealing and saving, fire coming down and Lord some of us need that today some of us need your fire your miracle to be called down into our lives for for an unwavering response to you that you Lord are God and so Lord we take this bread your your sacrifice for us and we receive it you receive the bread with me we also lift the cup and we thank you Jesus for your blood shed for us we receive this knowing that you said this is a, a cup of a new covenant, that we could receive your power and your miracle of salvation in our lives. And Lord, that's your miracle. That's your work. So we receive this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we're so grateful today that you are the same God who speaks to us. Lord, you show up. And I'm just burdened for so many of us in here. We, we need you to show up in our lives there's grief or addiction situations, Lord, where we're calling upon you. We're trying not to waver, but Lord, we need a miracle. We need your heavens to, to rend forth and for, for your fire to fall into our lives. Lord, I pray that here in this room over each and every one of us that are open to you and open to following after you with our whole heart, that Lord, you will do that miracle. The power of God will come down this very day. And Lord, we pray that. We thank you for that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, 
Amen. Well, as, as you leave here today, there's uh, going to be people down here to pray with you, to come to the altar, the altar that's here. You can come down and you can, you can say, I'm looking for a miracle in my life in this area or that area. And I or the team down here would be happy to pray with you. I see a lot of uh, new people, first time guests, maybe I'm guessing. Uh, maybe this isn't your first time. You've been coming for a while. You never filled out a visitor card. We invite you to. There's a QR code on the back of your chairs. You could do it that way. If you do, tell the people outside that you did that. We have a gift for you. We have the paper version as well. If you've never been to this congregation, maybe you've been to uh, the New Life North or Midtown uh, New Life congregations. If you want to get on the email list here, we would love that. We have a gift for you. A couple other announcements that we have this week. It's a, it's a great week. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a rehearsal for the recording. So if any of you are musically inclined or just passionate about music, you know, it says make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't say make a professional uh, singing choir voice to the Lord. Uh, so you do, if you just want to sing, uh, you come, to, come um, tomorrow at 6 p.m. and we'll go over the songs. There'll be a uh, kind of a rehearsal for the recording. We'd love to have you come to that. Uh, you, you don't need, even need to RSVP, but if you are going to come, let us know. We'll, we'll send you an email of the songs. So you could uh, listen to them in, in advance. And then I'm asking on Tuesday for a hundred percent attendance at our recording, a pilgrimage where we will seek the Lord and declare and remember what he has done. And with hope to the future, set our eyes on pilgrimage and go from strength to strength, like it says in Psalm 84, we will lift high the name of the Lord Tuesday, six o'clock for that recording. And also it happens to fall on the same night as a Sound Minds meeting. So we have this group, a small group called Sound Minds. It's it's kind of in some ways a Bible study about uh, mental health. In some ways it's a discussion group. In some ways it's kind of like a support group for mental health. So we're moving that. It's usually at 6.30. We're going to move it to 5 so that if you wanted to attend both Sound Minds small group and then hang around for the rehearsal of the recording, you could do both. So um, 5.30? 5.30. Monday. That's tomorrow. Am I getting all this right? So it's, Thank you for correcting me. So tomorrow is Sound Minds 5.30. 30. Thank you, actually. And then the recording is at 6.30. The rehearsal tomorrow. <sighs> Let me pray a blessing over you. If you have questions about what's going on, obviously don't ask me. Ask Ashley. Ask Erica. Visit some people as you leave. But I can pray a blessing over you. Would you open up your hands and just receive this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you Tuesday or tomorrow. <laughs>